If you've ever wondered about what goes on behind the scenes at restaurants, then you're in the right place. This podcast takes you inside the minds of restaurant owners, chefs, bartenders, servers, basically anyone who has anything to do with food, drink, or hospitality. I'm Brady Vixileo, owner of Steinhilber's Restaurant in Virginia Beach, and La Bella Italia on Laskin Road. Welcome to The Check Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, co-host of The Check and owner of Cobalt Grill Restaurant at Hilltop North in Virginia Beach. Welcome to our podcast. The employee shortage is real. I often ask myself, where did they all go? Alvin, have you experienced this problem? Indeed, we have. And I don't think it's just the restaurant industry. I think it's a lot of other industries are going through the the same thing we are. So I'm not sure where they all went. I I was told that people had left the restaurant industry and gone to do other things, such as welding into the nursing uh, industry and just, just, you know, tech and different things. But when I speak to those people with those businesses, uh, who are a lot of my customers, they're having the same issues we are. So I'm not sure where the people went. The wages have indeed inflated. I'm finding that I have to pay the same people about 50% more than I did two years ago to do the same work, which is fine, except for the fact that they tend to work 50% less. Because if they were working, if they're working six days a week at, at $10 an hour, now they're working four days a week at $15 an hour because they can make the same money in less time. Yes. Scheduling has definitely become a big jigsaw puzzle right now. You know, people tend to want to work two days a week or three days a week, and we only have so many staff. So, you know, a lot of them want to work the same days. So it's hard to puzzle and piece everything together so that your, your restaurant's covered for all shifts that you're open. And Alvin, in our business, People don't want to hear excuses. No. We're not an excuse no. business. No. And nor should they have to hear excuses. You know, we, we put it out there that, hey, we're serving dinner. Come and see us. And that's what and we'll take care of you. And that's what we should do. They don't need no. to hear anything else about what's going on with no. behind the, the show scenes. Show must go on. Show must go on. So how are your new hires that you've got? Have you got anyone that's uh, good, reasonable, the same as, you know, Staff you had pre-COVID? I'll say that I better. appreciate any new hire that comes into work. I have had trouble getting people to be reliable. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah. I've, got a, I've made a lot of new hires that have been great and a lot of new hires that have been okay. Um, and some people, you know, will work two or three shifts and they're done. And some people will work two or three of their scheduled shifts a week <laughs> out of three or right. four. And and then you just make do for the shifts they don't show up for. Yeah, I find it hard with the the training because you know there there is a lot to learn. Let's say we get a new server, well they got to learn the menu and they've got to learn you know the ingredients of you know all my dishes and what goes into them so that they can be you know informative. If somebody asks you know is this gluten free or is this you know does this have uh, cream in it or you know so they got that's just the basic is the menu and then they need to know how where to how to serve where everything is, you know, what wines to recommend, what wines are good, you know, price points. I mean, it's so much and it's a great deal of training. Well, we find ourselves being forced to put unqualified people yeah. in over their head. Uh, well, people who can be qualified in, yeah. in a position where they're in over their head without the proper training because yeah. we're, we're, we're desperate. We, we ask a lot of them. I mean, they, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So training that we would, do over a course of maybe a month, you know, we're asking these people to learn in 
three or four days. Oh, and I've always had it, or not always, but for the past few years, I've had the process where I have front waiters and captains. And before, a front waiter aspiring to be a captain might be in that position for years. Oh, yeah. And now it's it could be weeks. Yeah. The labor market right now is thin and fickle. Yeah. I've actually started restructuring my kitchen to kind of dumb down the sections. And this is not the way that my kitchens work. So now I have one guy, he's on the fryer. That's all he does. He just fries all day. Whereas before, you know, I would have the grill guy grilling and frying and doing other things. But now I've kind of, you know, dumbing it down. So one guy, all he does is fry. Then I got another guy, all he does is grill. Another guy, all he does is saute. And you can get away with that in giant kitchens where you can afford to pay all those people and they're specialists. But with what we do, it, it's difficult. So I'm, I'm walking kind of a tightrope, but I have to do it because these new people that are coming in and you're training, you can't train them each and every aspect of the kitchen and all stations and expect them to pick it up that quickly. One, one thing you said, expect. Uh, expectations are, are funny. Yeah. Um, I know I've had to lower my expectations. And, uh, you know, I push so hard uh, because we both we – both strive to to provide a certain level of service and food quality and the expectations that we have out of our employees are have to be reasonable and on the at the same time the expectations of our guests yeah have to be reasonable as well but i always say to 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 my staff you know if i can do it you can do it and i'm a lot older than most of them so you got a lot so i expect them to be able to do it yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, you're right. I do have a lot of practice, and so a lot of that stuff comes second nature to me now. And that's the whole point of training. When I first started cooking, it took me two years before I was proficient in a kitchen as far as being able to move and, and produce at a level and, and be fast and neat. And slow makes smooth, smooth makes fast. Right. And you have to get, you have to, you have to learn so many nuances of cooking and moving and, and and it's you know you're operating tools you're operating you're working with heat you have to learn the heat you have to learn the pans you have to learn spatulas and tongs and nice. and and, and, <laughs> and how certain fish behaves when you when you take it off a pan and it's not all the same right you know a, a halibut will will behave differently and feel differently than a tuna yeah just different and, nuances of of different fish and different heat and Different oils, different pens, yeah. And uh, like a New York strip versus a filet mignon. I mean, they're just, they cook differently and everything about it is different. And to learn all those nuances, like I said, and be fast. Yeah. Took me two years. Yeah, That's and, pretty good. I'm still learning. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, well I'm, I'm a little quicker study than you, Alvin. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not sure it took me two years to learn the basics, but I understand I mean, what you're saying. I mean, two years, right, the basics I knew already. Yeah. So I'm not saying the basics, but... At the time, I was in my early 20s, and I was thrown into the kitchen because of a staffing shortage back then. Mm. And I'd worked in the kitchen previous to that, but I hadn't done that high-volume position with all that responsibility in basically the middle of the kitchen where you're dealing with most of the heat and you're the kind of the conduit of all the food comes through you in that position in their kitchen. Yeah. And that's kind of been the structure of the kitchen you know, for 40 years or so that I know of. I think I think a lot of people get thrown into the kitchen. I was thrown into the kitchen. My first job was a, a dishwasher. And then one day, one of the cooks didn't show up. And my boss was like, uh, I've seen you watching this guy. You you know, I think you can do what he did. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let me jump in. 
So I was well, thrown right. into that situation. Yeah, I did a lot of dishwashing previous to that. I did a yeah. lot of prep cooking. And, yeah. And and I would I would do different positions, frying and things like that. But to be on that line mm-hmm. where you're grabbing all these things and having to 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 be the the you have to set the pace in the kitchen. Yeah. To be that guy and be proficient at it was was two years in the making for me yeah and and maybe maybe you're saying it didn't take you two years i don't know <laughs> you also gotta have your eyes wide open i mean especially as a head chef executive chef chef de cuisine whatever you want to call it you got to see every plate going out and make sure that it's perfect because yeah. you don't want to leave the sauce off and and i'm kind of finicky about garnishes and I, I like things to look a certain way before it hits the table but you got to make sure everything's hot everything's at the peak of perfection and you know you got to a big kitchen and you've got salads going out and you've got soups going out and you've got appetizers going out and entrees going out and and you're helping produce those things but you've also got to see that when they hit the pass or hit the window that it's all right i mean it's it's a super multitasking position it is if you if you have tunnel vision you can't you can't do two or three things at once it's, no. it's not a job for you but it works really well with people who have kind of uh i guess attention deficit <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah i never knew i had add until well until i've been told by a few people <laughs> but yeah I, I think it works well for that so brady when you were explaining about you know you coming up in the kitchen and learning those first couple of years you just mentioned a, a little saying about smooth makes fast and fast makes smooth what what exactly does that that mean well, that was a saying that I picked up in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, if you try to hurt, if you try to rush something, you can never get it done fast. Okay. You can't. If it's something new, if you try to rush it, you end up breaking something. You end up hurting something. Whether in Jiu-Jitsu, you end up getting choked out. Yeah. You end up, uh, or you hurt somebody. Yeah. Hurt yourself um, unintentionally. Some, you know, a, a finger gets located, gets dislocated, or, or whatever. So. You always concentrate on being deliberate with your movements, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can't be hasty. I mean, what's the other one? Haste, haste makes haste waste. Makes waste. Yeah, you know, Which, it's the same idea, yeah. but but you have to be very fast in the kitchen. And when you're when you're serving, I don't know. You can I mean, sometimes we'll serve 150 people in an hour. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's what is that? 20 seconds per plate. Yeah, really, and and they're all going through one person pretty much. And that person really has to be able to move quickly to to create a nice looking plate. And so you got to be fast and efficient, right? Proficient or efficient? I think it's both. Both, yeah. Oh. Have you ever heard this saying? The shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. Because <laughs> that's one I use a lot. Because I just let's talk a little bit about your sayings. Let's see <laughs> what. <laughs> what are some let's of my see. sayings? Say it, forget it, write it, regret it. Yep, that's a good one. I, I learned that from the people's court. Um, <laughs> bir- uh, flocks of a feather bird together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ring around the bushes. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I've got some different sayings. What's ring around the bushes? You know, when you go around, instead of going straight to the point, you kind of go around around the bushes. Ring around the bushes. Yeah. Whatever. So, so my, my so, so so we say birds of a birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. And you say. What do I say? <laughs> flocks of a feather bird together bird together it's the same thing and then we say you can beat around the bush and yeah. you and you ring around the bush <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ring around the bushes yeah so the the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory which i think is, is said correctly 
I believe that's true. I, I have forgotten so many recipes. And when you're and when you're in the moment and you're cooking and you learn something, you you literally think, Oh, that's easy. I'll remember that. I'll remember that recipe. Or I'll remember that. You never do. I'll remember that method of how to cook this dish or and you just you never your memory is never as strong as you think it is. Right. So the best thing to do is write it down. I mean, I there's so many great dishes and things that I've learned and I've forgotten them. On a tangent. After the Cold War, uh-huh. the Russian, uh, we, we had the space race and the Cold War and all that kind of stuff happened. And then after the Cold War, the Russians became friends of the Americans for a, a, a good while. And uh-huh. now we're kind of going our separate ways now. But at, at any point, anyway, right, we're, we became friends somewhat and, and able to share resources a little bit. Was that the Gorbachev-Reagan era? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And there was, a, there was some sort of convention with all the old cosmonauts, the original cosmonauts, uh, like, I guess a Yuri Gagarin or who, oh. and and then the you know Alan Shepherds and all those types of people, they got together, and they were talking about uh, engineers were all there, and they had they said hey, you know y'all are they're complimenting each other, patting yeah. each other on the back for what a great job they did, uh-huh. and and the Americans said well you know how did you solve that whole pen issue, and the Russians were very confused by this pen issue because a ballpoint pen doesn't work in zero gravity. All oh, right. So they right. made that space pen. Yeah. <laughs> and the Russian said, uh, we brought a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thinking outside the box there. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> I wonder if the Russians shared recipes with, with the Americans. I'm sure they did. Is there any Russian food that you like? Borscht. Is that Russian? Uh, Worst, yeah, probably cold, po- cold, po- Polish cold beet soup. Yeah, yeah. it's like goulash, borscht. Yeah, uh, there's, um, there's not many a Russian dish uh, that I pierogies. can remember. Pierogies, pierogies are I good. Think, I think those are Polish, though. Those are not Russian. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's Polish. I guess Russians don't really eat caviar. Oh yeah, yeah, caviar is yeah, good. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Uh, Can't afford it, but uh, I, it's delicious. Good when somebody else is buying. <laughs> always, always, <laughs> always tastes better when somebody else is buying the caviar. Yeah, you always have to have a sense of urgency in the kitchen and the whole restaurant business. I've noticed on slow nights it's difficult to keep the pace up. I always say it's like skipping rope. You can only jump the jump rope so slowly. Otherwise, you just kind of get tangled up in the jump rope. There, there has to be a certain amount of speed to, to skip rope. And a lot of times, when, when you're not in that pace, you get kind of put off your game. And you have to be so, you have to pay much more attention to what you're doing when you're when on a slow night, when you're first getting out of the gate. A lot of times, I mean, the first table is always the hardest table to get, get right. And on a slow night, it kind of, you know, every table is kind of the first table. And you just have to put all your attention on those tables because you don't have that sense of um, sense of rhythm. Well, shifting gears here a little bit, I wanted to ask you, Brady, how are you doing with getting products? Because it's been a real struggle for a while. And I think we've talked in the past on the podcast about, you know, beef and crab meat and that kind of stuff. But I am having a heck of a time finding Jamaican ginger beer and graham cracker crumbs. I just, I just yeah. can't find them anywhere. Yeah, and you hate to change your recipes to a, a different brand or a different type because you know, especially like the J- Jamaican ginger beer, we use that in our cocktails. Right, and there's plenty of other ginger beers around, but some are not as strong, or they don't have the bite, or they don't have the flavor. Yeah. What do you do when you can't get these products? 
uh, it kind of comes down to the Russians bringing the pencil. I mean, with the <laughs> <laughs> with the graham cracker crumbs, yeah. I haven't been able to get them either. Yeah. So I've I've I have been able to get graham crackers, and I've got a got a food processor. So and you crumb them up I, yourself. I, yeah. Yeah. So I can crumb crumb graham graham crackers with ginger beer. Um, you know, raw materials, things like ginger, they're available. Yeah. Um, do you, you find anything in particular that you can't find week after week after week? A lot of herbs are hard to find. You know, basil's are out of season now, and basil's a little bit spotty. Yeah. You know, when it was in season, we both had it in our gardens, and right. that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is is difficult? Uh, the, the shelves are starting to fill back up again. I was I was at a supply place this morning, and they had straws on the shelf. And rap, I, rap I, straws, I haven't yeah, seen wrap straws in two or three months. Yeah. I mean, our, so. our purchasing has changed a lot. Things like wrap straws, we buy, we've increased our par because we realize that yeah. things like that were, were, were dodgy. Yeah. Um, to go boxes, gloves. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, when we get, when extra large gloves are available, mm-hmm. we'll buy 10 cases you, of them. So you stockpiling. <laughs> so, yeah. now, so now you got to find space as well oh, yeah. for storage. It's a problem, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it is. I mean, I've uh, put stuff in my garage, I've put stuff, you know, everywhere. Yeah. In sheds. You just got to remember that they're there so you don't go back and buy the same thing again because you forgot you had 10 cases in your garage. Well, usually we run out by then and there are people are saying, oh, we're out of the, this item. So where, where, where do we go? Oh, I've got a case of gloves <laughs> in my garage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, there's, you know, remember originally it was face masks and gloves. You couldn't get it, couldn't get them anywhere. You could not get them. And they were ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Face masks were like $2 a piece yeah. and you get a case of gloves. You know, gloves were running what 150 bucks a case or more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, now they're lower, maybe I don't know, 70 or 80 bucks a, a case. Still, high. still high, but you know, but they're available. And if you think about, I mean, the amount of gloves that we go through, yeah, it's just crazy. So you got eight, ten people in a kitchen, two hands. Yeah, two, two hands. <laughs> two hands a person. Two hands a so person. Sixteen to twenty hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know how many times they switch your gloves in and out? Every five minutes, probably. Yeah. Every time they change. Yeah. You know, you go from salad to fish. Of course, you got to change your gloves. Yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. They to finish um, a task and boom, it's off and it's a new pair. It's, yeah. It's a lot. And then some people have the latex allergies, so you've got to get the vinyl gloves for them. You got to have stock. Well, you're a nice two, boss. Two columns I, of gloves. Yeah, no, you're good. I got one box. What, what, <laughs> one type of gloves. I've got better be okay with it. At least two employees with a latex allergy. So they, yeah. they have, you know, you know, they can't eat bananas either. Who can't? People with latex, with latex allergies? allergies. Yeah. Where'd you hear that? Well, bananas, are, that's where latex comes from. No. That's what they said. I don't know. The peel, the skin? I don't right? know. If you think about it, a banana is kind of plasticky. Yeah, on the outside, I guess. On the inside, it's kind of a... Huh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Huh. Well, you learn something new every day. Yeah. They can't, the bananas are, are a latex derivative, or latex is a banana derivative. Right. How'd you like your bananas? Do you like them ripe, or do you like them, like, underripe? <sighs> I don't like them when they're kind of crunchy. I like them to be soft. Yeah. But but I don't like them to be mushy. So a good yellow, but not a yellow-brown. Right. Okay. Right in the middle there. There's a guy who came in, um, used to eat here at the restaurant a lot. He was a judge, old judge, a friend of my grandfather's. And he came in one night, and my mother said, wow, judge, you're looking, you're looking good, good these days. He's like, Jeannie, I'm old. He said, I, 
I don't even buy green bananas anymore. <laughs> He's got one foot in the grave and one on the other on the banana peel. Well, the green green banana peel. Yeah. We have a mutual friend who will have nothing to do with bananas. Yeah. He doesn't like the look of them, the shape of them. The, the color. The color, the texture. <laughs> it's, it's a funny what is there to like? <laughs> it's a funny Kind of like you and peanut butter. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. It's disgusting. I do not like peanut butter at all. Not the smell, not the texture, nothing about it. Not even the jar. I don't like the designs on the jar. <laughs> I refuse to have it in in my home or in my restaurant. Okay, Brady, I think you need to do a little fact checking on this uh, banana. Uh, banana. <laughs> I, I work on the banana fact checking. <laughs> oh, sorry. Let me say it how you banana. There you go. <laughs> I ain't falling for no banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> Bana- ban- banana. Uh, yes, let's let's fact check these this theory you have on latex and bananas. Okay, here we go. A banana allergy is often connected to a latex allergy. This is because some of the proteins in the rubber trees that produce latex are known to cause allergies. And they are similar to the proteins found in some nuts and fruits, including bananas. This syndrome is known as latex food syndrome or latex fruit allergy. All right. All so right. there you go. We, don't, we right. don't make uh, latex gloves out of bananas. No. So sorry for that okay. misunderstanding of mine. But it's a great point. I'm glad we, I'm glad we figured that out. I'd have been up all night thinking about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, we don't want that. No. Well, thank you all for listening today to The Check, our podcast about restaurants, people who eat in restaurants, dine in restaurants, and work in restaurants. Yeah, and the, and you'll find The Check on wherever you get your podcast. Wherever. And Apple. If, you, if you don't know where to go to get your podcast, yeah. you can get it at thecheckpodcast.com. Dot com. Absolutely. But some I remember are Podcast, Podbeam, Apple, Spotify. Podbean. Podbean. Bean. B-E-A-N. Bean. Bean. Like a like a like a bean in a, like in bean soup. Yeah. Yeah, Podbean. Um where else? Facebook, I think. Well, did you mention Apple Music? I did mention Amazon Apple. Music. Ama- oh, Amazon as well. Oh. All right. We're Spotify. Everywhere. Yeah. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. We're worldwide. The Czech it's, it's podcast. The Czech podcast worldwide. Yes, we have one listener in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> A couple in England. Yeah. One of which is surely my sister. <laughs> there was one in Russia. One in Russia. <laughs> oh, Actually, that's probably my IT guy. He said he listens. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I'm Alvin. I'm Brady. And this is The, the Czech. Czech.